Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the best of the Nick Brown Show. An on-demand audio presentation of RedPeachSports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's your host, Nick Brown. And you hear the group Alabama. That means it's time to head out to Birmingham to talk to a guy who... It's been credited with giving Gino Ariema all of the plays for the UConn Lady Huskies, and that's Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Yeah, I, I work behind the scenes helping him do recruiting, too. I just don't let, let anybody know that. Well, I wondered. I noticed that there were a lot of ads from uh, in, in Lindy's appearing up from the Bristol area. So I figured there must have been on those marketing trips that you must be recruiting yeah, and, for the lady. And, and since we don't have about 12 readers up in uh, Bristol, Connecticut, uh, that's amazing that anybody would want to reach that market. So. Well, you have done behind the scenes on that. You have done it, certainly done an excellent job. And we were just discussing this morning, Lynn, before we talk everything in the SEC, you know, the, the, the good coach versus great coaches. And one of the coaches in the NCAA tournament that's still around is, is Lon Kruger. And, yep. you know, to me, Lon, and, and I'm pulling for Oklahoma because you look at Lon Kruger and you look at the numbers, it's comparable in number of wins that Bill Self has at Kansas. But where he's been able to do that, and then he goes back to, I really noticed Lon Kruger when he brought stability to the UNLV program. Knew when he was at Florida, went to the Final Four. And so, you know, I'm just talking about the good, great coach. Where would you put Lon Kruger in, in that category? Well, I mean, he's certainly, he's sort of being an upper echelon of coaches, but he's, he's one of many, and, you know, if we wanted to sit and think about it, we probably could name some, that I think probably doesn't get all the credit that he's due. Because you've got, you know, you don't think of him in the same tier as you as you do uh, Coach K and Roy Williams, and you know, you can name Calipari and, and some others. Uh, and it's because he he hasn't coached at at one of the flagship traditional uh, schools that's known for basketball. And I think it's the same way in football. I think you've got uh, ten or twelve schools in the country uh, that are. You know, that, that sometimes have down years, but, but for the most part, they're considered among the top, you know, 15, let's say, programs in the country. And a, a coach that's at one of those schools, uh, in whatever sport it is, that's applicable, uh, is, is going to be thought of in a higher way there if they have the same kind of record that somebody does at another school. And, and it, the thing is, it might should be the opposite direction, because how difficult is it for somebody to get the top players in the country to come to North Carolina or, or Duke? or Kentucky, or Kansas, or UCLA. Uh, how hard is it to get them to do that? The answer is it, it, you know, it almost sells itself. Same way with, with LSU, uh, and Alabama, and Auburn, and Florida, and Georgia, in football. I mean, those schools, you check your, over the past, you know, you and I have talked about this before, um, we pulled the statistics over the last six decades, last 60 years of college football, and to, to see in the modern era of football what teams have been the, you know, the most powerful, most you know, strongest overall consistently, and you got five or six SEC teams that are among the top fifteen teams in the pro in the country consistently over over three generations, and it's not hard to get players to want to look going to those schools. 
but it might be a little bit harder to get them to go to some of the other schools. And and uh, Lon Kruger, as an example, Oklahoma's a great program. Florida's won two national championships. Uh, Lord, UNLV with Tarkanian. I mean, you know, you're, you're talking some good programs, but they're not considered up at the very top. And you have to, I think you have to try a little bit more to bring in those kind of players. And you're still, though, playing in conferences where your where your uh, opposition's tough. So, so yeah, I think absolutely that he's would be considered among the, the better coaches. And um, and but probably doesn't get his due. Probably has probably has done better than probably what his reputation is or what people would think of him in general. Well, I tell you, we're talking to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Lynn takes you to 10 every Saturday morning here on the Nick Brown Show. And, Lynn, we're going to stick with basketball when I think it was uh, not a surprise to anyone, but Kevin Stallings was able to get out of Vanderbilt. Certainly it was a question of whether he would be coaching the Commodores next season. Well, he is not going to be because he's accepted the head coaching job at the University of Pittsburgh. Yep, and that was a good move on his part. I mean, I have absolutely no inside information about this. I've talked to nobody uh, in the know on this at all. So what I'm going to say here is just conjecture on my part. Uh, I think it's very possible that he beat the pink slip out of town. Um, he's had, he's, he, again, he's one of these coaches, overall, he's had a good record. His SEC record has not been stellar because he's had some, some mediocre years, and he's taken them to the, to the NCAA tournament like seven or eight times out of 17 years. So he's getting close to half the time getting there, and a lot of teams, including a lot of SEC teams, would be mighty happy at that. But his team underachieves. And this year, for example, I had him, I had him before the preseason. I do the uh, basketball uh, analysis and, and preview every year for Tiger Rag Magazine there in Louisiana for LSU. And I think I had Vanderbilt third in the conference. I mean, you just look at what they had this year. The, you know, they had Jones. They had, they had the, the, the three big guys up front. They had good, uh, good guard play, the, uh, a veteran coaching staff. Uh, you know, they're always a great shooting team. And, and they underachieved and, and uh, really probably shouldn't have made the tournament at all. Um, and then they lay an egg the first time out. And laying an egg in the postseason is kind of a tradition at Vanderbilt under, under Coach Stallings. And, um, and I think it's one of those deals kind of like, uh, you know, kind of like Mark Rick at Georgia, kind of like uh, uh, Coach Cooper at Ohio State a number of years ago, where overall the record was good, but they, uh, they didn't beat the – uh, you know they didn't win the win the games when they needed to to try to play for championships and um, you know th- this year Vanderbilt beat Kentucky but then they also lost some some games they really shouldn't have got got beat so I, I think it's and Pittsburgh uh, has become a uh, revolving door for for head coaches both in basketball and in football particularly in football so yeah. I, I don't know what the deal is about Pittsburgh but they're almost like a, a stepping stone and uh, and that wouldn't have been that way. You know, a generation ago, it wouldn't have been that way. Well, interesting enough, on the uh, Vanderbilt coaching search, I know that uh, Valparaiso lost to uh, uh, George Washington, GW, in the uh, title game of the NIT, 76-60. to Now that leads uh, all doors to make a run at uh, Bryce Drew. I believe he may be the uh, leading candidate for that job. Well, I mean, he's, he's obviously, you know, he's not going to be at Valpo the rest of his life. And then Valpo's a really, really good uh, program for that next level down. And, and, and sometimes they knock off the big guys, you know. They've had some good runs. But, uh, but he's going to go somewhere. And, and going to Vanderbilt is probably a good uh, – I, I don't know Bryce Drew, but I, just thinking about it, I think his, his personality, his style of play, uh, probably will lend itself to Vanderbilt. You know, and interesting, we talked to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. I guess the timing wouldn't have worked out. Uh, but if uh, Jared Haas could have gotten the uh, Vanderbilt, I guess you still would go to Pac-12, Stanford over Vanderbilt. You both have the high academic institutions, but 
interesting to see because, you know, Birmingham and Nashville are not that far apart. Would that have been a, a good fit for him? Just, oh, I think uh, it would. I think it would. And, uh, of course, he's, you know, uh, Jared Haas has West Coast ties as well. But um, having, having been in the South here and having been at UAB, uh, he would not have to recreate personal relationships and recruiting doors uh, that he'll probably have to do out there. So it, you know, I, I think you're right. If, if that had happened and, and they had turned to, to Coach Haas, it wouldn't have surprised me at all that he would have considered doing that. Well, I know that uh, you know Rick Stansberry took the Western Kentucky job. I just wonder if Gino R.E.M. has gone to bat for you with all of the uh, officials at UAB, have the uh, Blazers. I know they've interviewed uh, quite a few people, Chuck Person from Auburn. They've also interviewed an, an NBA player as well. Where we stand on the UAB coaching search? You know, it's, uh, it's being reported in our media who they're interviewing, and they're interviewing people out in uh, Houston uh, where the Final Four is. But uh, I, I haven't heard anything definitive. I mean, just I'm just reading what, what you read. I haven't talked to anybody over there. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be doing an interview on football uh, in the next week or ten days with them, but I suspect they'll have a, uh, have a basketball coach before I do my football interviews. It would be interesting to see if uh, Chuck Person, I, I think you at one time, right now, having interviewed, should be considered one of the leading candidates for that job, but they'll certainly do a lot of great interviews out in Houston as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, Auburn people certainly hope that, uh, that Chuck Person doesn't go. I mean, he's, uh, he's been a key thing in the revival of Auburn recruiting. And, uh, and they've, they've arguably had, I know the record didn't show it this year because of the, the injuries and, and the, the recruiting class just getting in. But this is the second uh, outstanding recruiting class that Auburn's had, and they've already got a five-star uh, committed for next year. And, uh, and this, you, could, you could make a case this is, is in the process of being the three best uh, cons- consecutive recruiting years that Auburn basketball has had in a while. Uh, I'll be real surprised unless he has the, you know, the, the train wreck of injuries that he had this year. You can't, uh, you know, always beat that. But unless it's just another bad luck situation, uh, I think their situation is getting ready to turn around. And Chuck Person is a is a very key element in that. And uh, I know Auburn people will hate to see him leave. Maybe Auburn's big opponents would like to see him go, but. Uh, Auburn people certainly won't like to see that happen. You know, it's funny you mentioned uh, Bruce Pearl because we were discussing it earlier today with the Final Four, and and obviously now that I'm pledging and that I'm going for the Oklahoma Sooners, which means they'll probably get destroyed by Villanova now because that has a tendency to happen. Whenever I pull for a team, they they don't play their best. But you look at on the other side with Syracuse and uh, North Carolina, both have been under this cloud of uh, NCAA investigations as far as academic improprieties. Look, Jim Beheim, he was suspended the first nine games of this season. And what is amazing, Lynn, when you have that uh, basketball pedigree that you talked about earlier where it's easier to win and to recruit to some places, and then you look at Bruce Pearl, uh, I know that he did not tell the truth at first, but he lost his job based on a photograph of a recruit at his house at a barbecue. Okay, so that gets you terminated. And then yet you have academic improprieties, which you're there to be a student athlete, and uh, those guys are still going strong. It's just amazing somehow the NCAA looks a different eye at the powerhouses in a particular sport. Well, there's inconsistency, no question. I was talking to one of our columnists about this very thing yesterday morning, uh, discussing North Carolina and all the scandals that's been going on there, and uh, the academic questions and and other things that have been raised at North Carolina. And to this point, they've skated by. And you can look at some programs that have gotten on probation uh, for what, at least on the surface. Uh, just to the layman that's not behind the scenes on it would certainly appear to be a lot less stuff. And uh, and who knows if, if anything's going to happen there. Uh, the same situation with uh, Miami uh, with some of the stuff went on with football down there 
the uh, you know the NCAA has uh, been inconsistent in its application of its uh, rules interpretations. I think that would be fair to say. And and you can get into the precedent of um, of things that happen on the on the uh, playing surface and things that don't. And I, I, I'm saying that because I'm, I'm doing some stuff relating to Tennessee, starting to look ahead toward our football edition that, that, by the way, goes to press one month from today. Four weeks from today, Lindy's Southeastern Football Edition will be on the press at the printer. So we're that, we're that close. So we're, we're you know, looking at our, our schools and, and pulling information together, signing uh, the stories and that type thing. And looking at Tennessee, the question was raised about, you know, would they be uh, having facing probation and could that be used against them? And uh, one of the one of the people said, "Well, you know, would they would they give Tennessee probation because what they're saying here doesn't involve anything that gave them a competitive advantage. It doesn't involve anything about illegal recruiting. It doesn't involve anything about academic cheating. It uh, that lets them get players in school. Um, you know, would why would why would this have anything to do with it?" And I said, "Look, man, they set the precedent with Penn State, and and you can't defend at all what went on at Penn State, but." Uh, they they stock Penn State with with uh, can't be on television, can't go to bowls, can't uh, can't uh, you know, taking away scholarships and all that, and nothing was done that had anything at all to do with NCAA rules violations, uh, giving competitive advantage on the field, uh, illegal recruiting, any of those things. So a a precedent was set that you can give on the field competitive disadvantage penalties to a program if the things that it has done has nothing to do with violating NCAA rules. And they, they use that by saying uh, lack of institutional control. And so that's the, that's the uh, rather vague phrase that they put on that. If they're going to do that, then they certainly could, could say the same thing on Tennessee, that that's lack of institutional control. Uh, but it's a fine line. You don't want to be put in a position of defending things that, that, that if they went on are not defensible. On the other hand, uh, you need to uh, realistically evaluate what's the NCAA's role and, and how these rules set up. Don't confuse things that should be violations of the law as opposed to things that may not be violations strictly of an NCAA rule that gives somebody a competitive advantage. So, you know, it's a thing, things are, you know, you can have interesting discussions on these things because they're, they're not always as simple as they would seem. No, they're not, Ed. I was talking to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Lynn takes you to 10 every Saturday morning on the Nick Brown Show. And, Lynn, it's almost if the NCAA looks at the public outrage, the public outcry before, because, you know what, it's amazing, and, and certainly everything that happened at Penn State was horrific, and yet that doesn't get the outcry of, okay, so Lynn Scarborough wrote a term paper for somebody at, uh, at, uh, or whoever wrote a term paper for someone at Syracuse. Or and, yeah, and, that's the, and that's the only reason that they're qualified to play. If it was not for that, if they didn't cheat academically, then they wouldn't be available on the field to be winning ball games, And, and that's always, to me, been, been the uh, purpose for the NCAA rules was so that everybody played fairly and did not have a competitive advantage over the other. And, um, and, that's, you know, and there is a difference in, uh, in, in the, uh, the fallout from those things. Yeah, right, and then also, and we'll talk more, we'll get into the SEC baseball, talk some positive things, but also you look at programs like Louisiana Lafayette down uh, where the Raging Cajuns had a uh, testing center in Waynesboro, Mississippi, 
uh, where student student athletes were going to take the ACT. You look at the situation with uh, Southern Mississippi and Donnie Tindall, who used Southern Miss to go to the University of Tennessee, a bigger job, subsequently lost his job, and there are infractions in Hattiesburg where the punishment, Doc Sadler is already saddled with penalties in his Golden Eagle basketball program. It's amazing that the group of five, because a lot of people on our listening audience opposed to the mid-major moniker, but those group of five, the punishment is swift and severe, but yet at the pedigree programs, these investigations can take upwards of nine or ten years. Yeah. I, mean, I agree. It's just, it's just the inconsistency of the of the situation. It's not, uh, it's not right, uh, but that's how it is. I mean, it's just the, that's the system in which we operate. Well, let's turn over to uh, baseball and the SEC. South Carolina looking strong. Vanderbilt did hand him their uh, first conference loss, but South Carolina leading uh, uh, 7-1 and 24-4 and overall. Ford, this is in the Eastern Division. The Florida Gators are 5-2. and Vanderbilt 5-3. and They're the top three in the East. In the West, you've got Mississippi State, Alabama, and Texas A&M. Yeah, and I, I think you know the way it's setting up right now. Uh, you know, your your four best teams are the three in the East, South Carolina, Florida, Vanderbilt, and then Texas A and M in the uh, in the West. But within the conference, it doesn't always come out that way. I mean, A and M sitting there at four and three in the conference. Uh, but it, but even at that, that's not. But uh, that's not. But you know what? A, a game behind the loss column. So um, the you know the right now the Eastern Division looks looks better than the West. I think, but. Um, you know, you got some. You got a, a, a couple of situations with with programs that are traditionally strong. O, Ole Miss is one. They're, they've only lost six games. They're twenty and six, but they're two and five in the conference. And so overall, their record should be up there. But they're they're right down to the bottom. LSU and Ole Miss have only won uh, two conference games. Auburn's only won one. And um, and even with Ole Miss's great record, it's a situation where you've got so many. It's the same way with softball, and 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 in, and in football. But football, you don't play as many ball games. Um, but it's it's to where you've got so many good teams that they have to play each other and they cannibalize each other. And you know, you look at uh, Vanderbilt's got five losses, three of them in the conference. Florida's got three losses, two of them in the conference. Ole Miss has six losses, five of them are in the conference. Um, you know, so it's a it's a it's a tough thing to figure. And and you know, you got some significant uh, significant games here. You know, I mean, Texas Texas A and M. Uh, was was uh, n- the number one team in the country, and they're third in their own division. And of course, Florida, uh, you know, knocked them off last night. Florida was number three, I think, and, and A&M was number one. Um, and uh, for LSU, I know we got LSU fans in our audience. Uh, this is a big series. Of course, it had it rained in Alabama last night, and and so they postponed it. It's a doubleheader today at Auburn. But LSU can't afford to lose this ball game. And uh, and I mean, they should probably beat Auburn because Auburn's not a great team right now. But uh, but LSU's uh, sitting there at two and four, I think, in the conference, and they ca- they can't afford to uh, to come into Auburn and lose. Uh, Georgia is a is a team that's already lost like twelve or thirteen games. Well, they they beat Alabama pretty soundly last night. Um, if Alabama had not lost that ball game, uh, Alabama would be in first place in the Western Division right now. And um, you know, it's just there. There's a you know, there's some teams that, that really need badly not to not to get further behind. Obviously, the Vanderbilt uh, South Carolina series is the is the key series because those two teams are rate, both ranked in the top six teams in the country. But and I have not looked at the schedule for next week. But it's going to uh, with with this many good teams, you're going to have some some more good matchups next week with teams uh, ranked teams going up against each other. And um, 
you know, just like you had in softball this this uh, uh, this weekend that are that are playing. Well, I think the big surprise going over the scores from last night, uh, Tennessee. Not an April Fool's Day joke all over the Kentucky Wildcats and the surprise 14-5. to And, again, like you said, Florida defeated Texas A&M 7-4. to Georgia came back after that 13-inning uh, loss to uh, Alabama and uh, even that series with a 7-1 to victory over the Crimson Tide. Arkansas starting to play a little better, defeated Missouri 7-6. to South Carolina defeated Vanderbilt, avenged their only conference loss. And then uh, a good one last night is able to watch a little bit on the computer, and that was Mississippi State. And Ole Miss, uh, two, uh, two teams ranked just outside the top ten. Ole Miss 11th, Mississippi State 12. Bulldogs were able to pull it out 3-1. to one. So you're exactly right. Every weekend you're going to have someone is going to be an important series. Yeah, Kentucky, for example, they got massacred last night. I saw a little bit of that game on TV. And, um, and just last weekend, Florida was number one in the country. And, uh, and Kentucky beat them two out of three. So you got a team that beats the number one team in the country two out of three, and, and they get beat. Uh, fourteen to five by an SEC team that hadn't won but two games. So, you know, and Auburn's won wins against Texas A and M, and Texas A and M's number one in the country. So, I mean, there's just you know, there's no way to, there's no way to figure it because they just they cannibalize each other and knock each other off. Well, let's turn over to uh, what is going to end up being probably the uh, I, I would dare say, depending on how the regionals are set up, you could have as many as five or six teams making it from. Uh, from the SEC in softball, as certainly that league continues just to get better and better, and the great results uh, that they have going to be surprised. Be interesting to see how they set up the regionals, but uh, SEC softball, another great week. Yeah, I think you'll have eight or nine teams uh, in the conference make the tournament, and you'll have at least four of them, maybe five, that are regional hosts. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, they just, you know, they go, go up against each other. You had uh, Alabama and Florida. Uh, Florida sitting there number one in the country, and Alabama. Uh, in the in a threat, if they were to to go down there and lose three ball games, they could drop out of the top ten. Alabama goes down and beats Florida, so uh, you know there's two to one there. So it gives Kentucky a wide open chance. Uh, they're the surprise team in the country, according to some people. They entertaining Auburn. Auburn's coming into them, and uh, if Kentucky can knock them off, then they become they they take over sole possession of the of the lead uh, before they come to bat. They're behind three to nothing. Uh, after nine innings, they're behind nine to nothing. Auburn's got nine runs. Kentucky didn't have but two hits. And they called the game after five innings. So uh, Kentucky and Florida both had their chances to, to sit alone at the top of the league and uh, didn't get it done. Well, uh, Tennessee won. So uh, you've got now, instead of a what could have been a three-game lead uh, over the whole field, uh, now you've got Florida and Kentucky with two losses and at eight and two. And Tennessee and Auburn at seven three, so all of a sudden the uh, the race gets tied again. Uh, Tennessee plays Missouri again. Missouri's fifteenth, Kentucky sixteenth. Uh, LSU, LSU, uh, LSU's back is against the wall. Uh, they were sitting there at three and six in the conference, and they couldn't afford uh, to go to Georgia and, and get swept over there. Georgia's ranked higher than them. Georgia's ninth and LSU tenth, and Georgia's got LSU four to one in the late innings, and uh, LSU pulls it out, comes back and wins. Uh, Five to four, so that was a big win for LSU. And and once again uh, this afternoon, here we go again: Tennessee at Missouri, LSU at Georgia, Auburn at Kentucky, Alabama at Florida. The lowest ranked team out of those eight I just named is 16th. So there's there's the point. And and whatever happens in these next two next two games with with these teams, uh, it's going to be repeated next weekend. It's just a matter of who it is. And it's amazing you're talking about Kentucky. Of course, they're now tied for first, but they're 
they were 8-1 and one in the league at 12th in the country, but yet they were leading the SEC. So it's all about that early scheduling, but you're right. Uh, going to be another uh, great weekend in SEC softball and another great weekend at Lindy's because one month away from going to the printer. Yeah, absolutely. If, uh, if North Carolina wins the ball game tonight, uh, my day tomorrow and our day on, on Monday will be primarily geared toward uh, North Carolina basketball. If they win uh, Monday night, we will be doing a championship edition for the Tar Heels. And uh, I've, uh, I've already done a little bit of work on it. Um, we also, uh, I'm, I'm in charge of uh, organizing and working with 24-7 on all of our football recruiting. And so we have got to have all the SEC uh, recruiting information uh, completed by Monday and uh, get that information in. I'm working with them on that. And then we're going to have to have, i got two features to write for North Carolina basketball if they win uh, tonight. So uh, we'll, we've got a whole lot going on before, uh, before Monday. And um, four weeks from today, the football magazine's on the printer. In the meantime, uh, lindysports.com uh, is our website. Go in and check us out. Well, one thing I did do my research, we talked about it last Thursday, 12 teams uh, of baseball will make the uh, tournament in Hoover. So there will be two that are left out. I believe that would be Auburn and Missouri if it ended today. Right now right now it would be. Missouri hadn't won a game. Auburn's only won one. But you got Ole Miss and LSU with just, uh, with just two, and you got uh, Tennessee and Georgia that have just won three. Uh, and we've still got games to play this weekend. I would almost bet you, and I have no idea who's going who's gonna to break out from this, but I would almost bet you that by Monday, when we sit and look at, uh, at the conference race, that's probably changed somehow. And it'll change next weekend when they play again. And then I guess the million-dollar question will be, can a team make the NCAA regional when they don't make their conference tournament? Well, of course not. Not now. <laughs> back, in the old days, back in the old days, you could, because you know, we used to only have eight teams, then we went to ten. And we, uh, I think Florida one year, Nick, um, maybe 10 or 12 years ago uh, when, we, when we had eight teams, I think Florida made it. When they they made the NCAA tournament, when they didn't even qualify for their own conference tournament, I'm virtually sure that that's right. Uh, that I don't I don't remember it happening, but once. But I believe that, I believe the case is that Florida actually did make the NCAA tournament one year when they didn't qualify for the SEC tournament. Well, that's that, that good SEC baseball. Well, and the thing that I like about it, and, and the folks at the SEC office were smart enough to figure that out, that when you want a good crowd. You got to have LSU. You got to have Mississippi State. You got to have one of the two teams from Alabama. And if you do that by going to twelve teams, you're virtually guaranteed of getting those three, those three, those three teams in. Yeah. When, yeah, when any of those four teams, when Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State, or LSU don't make it, then you notice it when uh, in the in the attendance. And there have been years when two of those teams didn't make it. I don't remember a year when three of them didn't. But the interesting thing: all four of those teams are from the Western Division. Yeah, and, uh, you know, none of, none of the ones that really are the, the kind of the traditional ones, and uh, and that uh, that you know are going to put the seats in the people in the seats are from the uh, are from the Eastern Division. Well, I certainly uh, enjoy talking to you. I know you're going to be busy. Uh, thanks for taking time to uh, talk with us this morning. That's Lynn Scarborough. Lynn takes you to ten. Look forward to talking to you again next week. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the best of the Nick Brown Show. Tune in live every Saturday on ESPN977.com or subscribe to the show in iTunes, on Stitcher, or at redpeachsports.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.